Hey, folks, welcome to today's Law of Self-Defense show. I am, of course, attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all your support. So in today's show, just imagine this. Imagine you are a non-commissioned officer in the U.S. military. You've served two prior tours in Afghanistan. You've received military weapons training. You're living with your wife in Metro Denver. You're both in your 20s. And Metro Denver is a region plagued by car theft. At 11.20 p.m. on July 5th, the day after July 4th, your wife observes two people stealing a car from in front of your home, and she calls 911. You go outside to identify the thieves collect information that you can share with law enforcement about their appearance, their direction of flight, because they are fleeing on foot as they drive away unsuccessful in their car theft attempt. By the way, it appears that they're driving themselves an already stolen car. And when you go outside, you bring with you a pistol so that if necessary, you can defend yourself. And about a block from your home, those car thieves shoot at you. And you shoot back. And you're the better shot. And your shots kill one of the thieves and wound another. Sound like a feel-good story? Well, this is the legal result to date. You are charged with murder, an attempted murder, and you're looking at a mandatory life sentence in prison. How can this happen? That's what we'll discuss in today's Law of Self-Defense show. Here we go. All right, folks, let's look into this case of the Denver resident military sergeant who investigated an auto theft in front of his home and now finds himself charged with first-degree murder, which carries under Colorado law a mandatory life sentence in prison if he's convicted. Before we do that, I am, of course, obliged to mention the sponsor of today's show, which is none other than Law of Self-Defense. If you don't already have our book, our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense Principles, I would urge you to check it out on Amazon. You'll see it's got 1,500-something reviews, five-star rated, very popular book. But don't buy the book on Amazon because they'll charge you for the cost of the book and shipping and handling. We'll give you the book for free. We only ask that you cover the cost of shipping the book to you. You can get this actual, physical, not just a PDF, print copy of this book for free, but for the shipping and handling at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. So let's take a look now at this event in Denver. Now, the first thing you should know, just for context, is that Denver, the metro Denver area, so Denver and the immediately surrounding towns that are all physically adjacent to Denver, uh, the Denver metro area is perhaps the car theft capital in the world. And for good reason. Uh, Just a couple of years ago, our governor signed into law a sentencing reform bill that reduced car theft to a mere misdemeanor offense if the car was worth $2,000 or less. And of course, 
Most of us have been poor in our lives. I've driven my share of less than $2,000 valued cars. Indeed, I would suggest that people driving a $2,000 car and below are probably least able to suffer the loss of that vehicle because they likely lack the resources to readily replace that vehicle. And here's just some data on the last few years of car theft in the Denver metro area. So in 2019, there were about 13,000, 2020, 20,000, 2021, 27,000. And last year, 30,000 plus car thefts in Metro Denver. That's a 131% increase from 2019, more than doubling, a lot more than doubling car thefts. And when people have their car stolen and they're angry about it and they call the Denver Police Department or the Aurora Police Department or the Adams County Sheriff's Office, uh, frustrated that their car has been stolen. They get up to go to work and their car is not in front of their house. Know what the police department tells them to do? Says, just calm down. Call your insurance company. Do you imagine that a lot of people with $2,000 cars maybe don't have theft coverage on the car? Especially if the theft coverage has been artificially sent into the stratosphere amid a tsunami of theft in the region. And a part of this, of course, is that in July 6th, 2021, almost exactly two years prior to the shooting event, our governor, Colorado governor, of course, I live in Colorado, Jared Polis signed a Sentencing Reform Act reducing the penalty for theft of a car worth $2,000 or less to a misdemeanor level, which means it's basically not punished at all. Stealing inexpensive cars is now free of any meaningful legal consequence anywhere in Colorado and particularly in uh, Metro Denver. Now, amid the tsunami of car thefts, the same governor this year, on July 1st, 2023, signed into law a bill essentially reversing that move. So now, effective July 1st, 2023, all car theft in Colorado is once again a felony. We'll see if that has the desired result. It depends on whether, of course, the felonies are prosecuted, whether the judges involved actually want to hold these people accountable. Um, and by the way, many of these people are minors. It's not uncommon to have organized car theft gangs in Colorado uh, involving uh, thieves who are 13 or 14 years old. In fact, the thieves involved in this case, one of them was 13 years old, the one who was not killed by this military sergeant. Uh, the one who was killed, I, I've not seen his specific age identified, except he's also been identified as a teenager. So the wisdom of our Democrat governor, of course, he's a Democrat in Colorado. So let's take a look at this actual news story here. Zoom it in a bit so it's easier to read. Murder charges filed against Space Force sergeant accused of shooting Aurora teen car thieves. And we'll take a look at the formal charges in just a moment. Uh, and of course, this is a picture of the shooter, the homeowner, Oris Shore, 27 years old, now looking at a mandatory life sentence on a charge of first degree murder, as well as some interesting sentencing enhancements. We'll get to that in just a moment. After a teen boy 
a teen boy. You know, you can enlist in the military at 18. You're a teenager, right? Are you still a boy? If you do that, I mean, presumably you can enlist even younger if you wish with parental permission and all that. But certainly at 18, you're free to join the military. Are you still a child? You're still a teen. Teen boy attempting to steal his car was fatally shot. I'm not sure the car being stolen was his. The information on this is ambiguous, but we can presume either way. The district attorney's office Wednesday filed a first-degree murder charge against the man who allegedly shot and killed a teen boy trying to steal his car, which means prosecutors believe the act was premeditated. Orst Schur, 27, was charged with first-degree murder and first-degree attempted murder relating to the July 6th shooting that resulted in the death of one teenage boy and injuries to another. They like that phrase, teenage boy, not just a car thief. Schur, now the defendant, the murder defendant here, claimed the teens shot at him first, but police didn't find any other weapons or evidence at the scene to back up that claim. Now, um, according to an arrest affidavit obtained by the Denver Gazette news partner. Now, does anybody know for a fact, any outside observers know for a fact, whether or not this defendant or sure was shot at by the teens? Were we there? No, we were not there. Guess who else was not there? The police were not there. The prosecutor was not there. The judge who'll be trying this case was not there. The jury who will be deliberating on a verdict was not there. Sure, presumably knows whether or not he was shot at. He says he was. The difficulty, of course, is that no one evaluating his use of force decision to shoot at the car thieves, no one evaluating that decision in hindsight was there. We have no firsthand knowledge of whether or not the car thieves shot at him or not. He says they did, but there's no corroborating evidence. Does that mean no shot was fired? No, of course not. That bullet could have just proceeded downrange. The bullet fired by the car thieves, the purported bullet fired by the car thieves, could have just traveled downrange until it struck something, but not in a position to be recovered. It doesn't have to have struck Shore's car in order to have been a fired round, right? The failure to recover the round doesn't mean the round was not fired. But uh, I'm going to presume that uh, we know from his photo, Oris Shore is uh, Caucasian. There's a high probability based on general crime statistics that the car thieves were not Caucasian, were of a racial minority. Um, and so the prosecutor is looking at a case where you have a man, white man, who shot at two teenager, teen, teenage boys, right, as reported in the media here. Uh, killing one of them and uh, seriously injuring another. And given the racial dynamics in this community, which is Aurora, part of Metro Denver, immediately adjacent to Denver, very high percentage of African-American demographics in Aurora, uh, this prosecutor sees nothing but political advantage to bringing this prosecution, even though the prosecutor himself has no way to know whether or not Oris Chur was, in fact, returning fire at these teenagers. Now, of course, if Oris Chur was receiving fire, then shooting back would have been a lawful act of self-defense. So it's rather a pivotal question in the case. But 
No matter how much Orst Schur protests that he was simply returning fire, if the people evaluating his justification don't believe him, if a jury doesn't believe him, he will get convicted of first-degree murder. And if he gets convicted of first-degree murder, that trial judge will sentence him to a mandatory life-in-prison sentence. Again, with some interesting sentencing enhancements, which we'll look at in just a moment. So, uh, Shure's wife made the first 911 call at 11.19 p.m., saying that they were woken by a car alarm going off and saw two people dressed in black attempting to break into a Hyundai Elantra. Apparently, Hyundais and Kias constitute about a third of the car thefts in Metro Denver. There's some characteristic of those vehicles that makes them unusually easy to steal. Uh, So it's no surprise here that it's a Hyundai Elantra. By the way, wouldn't be unusual for a several-year-old Hyundai Elantra to be worth less than $2,000. I think that's fair to say. Sure's wife told police her husband had gone outside to look around, then heard a car driving very fast and heard three gunshots she believed came from one block over, according to the arrest affidavit, the dispatcher advised her to call her husband and tell him to come inside. About four minutes later, another person later identified as the defendant. Sure called 911, reported that he had been shot at while chasing some car thieves. Responding officers found a Kia Rio crashed in the backyard fence about a block away. The car had a bullet hole in the trunk and a shattered rear windshield appearing as though the bullet went through the rear of the front driver's seat. The car was empty and there was damage to the steering column, suggesting the thieves' car itself had been stolen. Shortly after midnight, police found the teenage victim lying in the yard with a gunshot wound to his back and head. According to the affidavit, he was rushed to the hospital where he died of his wounds, according to police. He is believed to be a teenage boy. They love that teenage boy reference. Uh, The second teen, 13 years old, who was shot in the back, ran to a nearby relative's house and a, and self-transported to the hospital, he's expected to survive. So he lived right in the neighborhood, not uncommon for thieves to rob within their neighborhood. Uh, they rob what they see, right? They steal, I should say, what they see. Uh, police spoke to Shore, who said he originally chased them to get a better description of the thieves or vehicle. He told police he heard gunshots, but did not see a muzzle flash. He shot back at the thief through his driver's window, Uh, The affidavit said investigators did not find any other weapons in the area, in the other vehicle, or in the teen's homes. They could have just just ditched the gun, of course. If the teenage boy car thieves had fired at Shore, they could have just ditched the gun. One of them obviously fled, ran to a nearby relative's house. You think they're going to cough up a gun if the surviving teenage boy car thief Having been shot in a car theft attempt, arise at their home, they're just going to turn that gun over to police? Maybe not. There was no evidence that Shure's car was hit by gunfire. Well, of course, that the car thieves were bad shots doesn't mean they didn't shoot. Uh, Shure's next court date is scheduled for Thursday. That's when he was formally charged with murder and attempted murder and a couple of sentencing enhancements. We'll get to those in a moment. Um, the U.S. Space Force confirmed that Shore is a technical sergeant assigned to Buckley Space Force Base in Aurora, where he lived, where all this happened. The affidavit said he had weapons training and had previously served two tours in Afghanistan. So what is Mr. Shore actually charged with? Let's see if I can expand this so it's legible. So this is just the uh, from uh, pulled from Lexus, the official filing 
of the charges. The judge is Patrick Pugh. This is in Adams County, Colorado. Uh, The arrest was made by the Aurora Police Department. Aurora is the city immediately adjacent to the city of Denver. That's part of the metro Denver area. The litigant, the defendant, Oris Schur, born 12-11-1995, male, Caucasian, and he has a number of attorneys. Uh, He has a couple of public defenders, and he also has a private attorney, Tanner Spracklin, who's his primary attorney. The charges in this case are murder in the first degree after deliberation, so not, not a manslaughter on adequate provocation, for example. Um, although certainly I would expect his defense to raise that as a possible argument. So there's one of the distinctions between murder and voluntary manslaughter and intentional killing that's not murder uh, is that murder requires uh, um, the form of a specific intent to kill someone. Uh, but there are circumstances in which you're subject to such what the law calls adequate provocation, uh, that you're not killing in cold blood, you're kidding, killing in hot blood. This often happens in the uh, immediate aftermath of a fight, for example, where there's a fight going on, you're in hot blood, you end up killing the person. You meant to cause them injury, but the law says because of the adequate provocation, the hot blood situation, you could not form the specific intent required for murder. It mitigates what would have been murder to manslaughter. So manslaughter is not great. Manslaughter is typically 10 to 20 years in prison, but it's not a mandatory life sentence like first degree murder is. But they charge him with murder one after deliberation. That's a class one felony. Class one felonies in Colorado. Uh, The minimum and mandatory is life in prison. That's for the teenage boy that he killed. In this event, he was also charged with attempted murder in the first degree. That's a second-degree felony under Colorado law. Um, I actually have a little bit on – let me see if I can pull up my notes on this. I do have some specifics on the Colorado sentencing. Yeah, so the second-degree murder charge is normally 8 to 24 years uh, unless there's a sentencing enhancement, and there are sentencing enhancements here. Uh, There's two of those. Charges, uh, violent crime was used. This is a not really another crime. Again, it's technically a sentencing enhancement. Make sure we're looking at the right thing. But it will require a fact finding by the jury. So the jury will have to make a specific finding of fact on the jury form that a this was a violent crime, assuming they convict him of murder or attempted murder. It was a violent crime and it used a weapon or it was a violent crime that caused death or serious bodily injury. Now, obviously, if they find him guilty of the actual use of force charges, the murder or attempted murder, well, a gun was used and serious bodily injury was inflicted. So the sentencing enhancements will automatically be found by the jury if they find guilty on the crimes. And the effect of these is are twofold. One, on the second degree, um, on the second degree felony charge, the attempted murder charge, while that would normally be eight to 24 years, because it's a crime of violence, it bumps it up to 16 to 48 years. So it doubles the sentence. There's another effect it has, and that is 
that it mandates that the sentences for the murder conviction and the sentences for the attempted murder conviction, which would normally be served concurrently with each other because they were the same event, must be served consecutively, one after the other. Now, it hardly seems to matter, given that one of them is already a mandatory life sentence. But nevertheless, that's one consequence of the sentencing enhancement. Interestingly enough, the same law that took effect July 1st of this year, signed by our Democrat governor, that remade car theft a felony, regardless of the value of the car, that same law also is what put these sentencing enhancements into effect. So these sentencing enhancements were not effective law until July 1st of this year. In other words, six days prior to this event taking place. If this event had taken place six days earlier, these sentencing enhancements would not be applying to this defendant. So all of that is very unfortunate for Orest Sure, What's the lesson for all of us? The lesson for all of us, folks, is that you may believe in your heart of hearts that you're doing the morally right thing. You see someone stealing your car out from in front of your house. A Hyundai Elantra. It's not worth a lot of money, probably. But it's the car you have. You're in your 20s. You're a sergeant in the military. Cars are expensive. And you see yours getting stolen. And you know no one's going to help you or give a damn that the car was stolen. Your insurance company's not going to care if you don't have theft coverage on it. And you may well not. The cops you call to report the theft are not going to care. They're going to tell you to calm down and call your insurance company. If they do catch the thieves, it's likely the thieves will be looking only at a misdemeanor. In any case, they're minors. The prospects of them suffering any real legal consequence are minimal. And you go out there and you attempt to identify the thieves, gather information you can provide to law enforcement that may assist them in arresting these car thieves. In a metro area, a wash in car theft, 131% increase over the last four years in car theft in Metro Denver. Now, are you allowed to do all that? Are you allowed to go outside your home to observe the car thieves, even armed with a pistol? Sure, presumably, presuming that you're allowed to be armed with a pistol, of course, you can go out and observe a crime taking place. Can you follow the thieves a block away from your home, keeping them under observation? Is that lawful? Sure. If they shoot at you, can you shoot back in self-defense? Almost certainly. But what if no one believes that they shot at you? What if they believe that the shots you fired at them was simply vengeance, retribution, you acting as a vigilante because you are frustrated, because you know the cops won't do anything, so you're going to take the law into your own hands? Do you have that Punisher backplate on the back of your Glock? You know, the Punisher, the cartoon character. You see the decals, the stickers everywhere. The vigilante who takes the law into his own hands and uses force, including deadly force against criminals because the system doesn't hold those criminals accountable to his satisfaction. You got one of those decals on your vehicle, on your gun, you're wearing the T-shirt. You think it's going to look funny when it's put in front of a jury under circumstances like these? where the prosecutor is arguing to the jury that we know you were acting as a vigilante. 
because that's how you identify. And how do we know you identify as a vigilante? Just look at the decal on your car. Look at the back plate on your lock. Look at the t-shirt you wear. Look at that tattoo. You're telling the world that you're a vigilante. And that's not lawful use of deadly force. And the prospects are you could be very well like or sure be looking at a mandatory minimum life sentence in prison. Over what? Over what? I mean, the theft of the car had failed. If you'd captured the car thieves and held them for police at gunpoint and everything you did had been lawful, those thieves might have been released before you got home. So what did you actually accomplish? By the way, if the car thieves did shoot at Orsure, that means he incurred a risk of death in his endeavor. He says he did. That's why he fired shots at them, is Orsure's claim. Are you willing to die to try to secure the arrest of car thieves that the system itself won't meaningfully punish? Now, does it seem the morally right thing to do to pursue those car thieves armed to protect yourself? Does it seem like we should live in a society where that's all permissible and or sure should not be facing legal consequence for anything here? Well, you may wish to live in that world, but we don't live in that world. Pursue thieves at your physical and legal jeopardy, folks. It's almost never, ever, ever worth it. All right, folks, that's all I have for all of you today. One last reminder before we close out. You can get a free copy of our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense Principles. Check it out on Amazon, but don't buy it on Amazon. Just go there for the reviews because they'll charge you for the book and the shipping and handling. We'll give you the real physical book for free. We only ask that you cover the cost of getting the book into your hands, that you cover the cost of the shipping and handling. The book itself is free from us at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. And with that out of the way, remember, folks, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill, so my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so that you're hard to convict as well. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.